Sunday and in celebration of that living hope, we get to witness today uh, an act that God has performed in the lives of one of our young people. Uh, Desi Miller has chosen to be baptized this morning. I'd like to invite her and her, her family to come and join us on the platform right now at this time. And this is just a beautiful part of what we get to experience together as part of the church. And when we come to know who Jesus Christ is and we accept him as our Lord and Savior, uh, scripture then commands us to, to let the whole world know, let people know who it is that you're for, who it is that you've chosen to follow. And baptism is how one of those ways in which we show others how much we are, um, how much we've given back, how much we've surrendered our lives to who God is. And so, so today we're going to celebrate what God has done in Desi's life. Bapto or baptizo are, are Greek words that we see in culture and uh, not necessarily scriptural words, not just in, in the Bible. But the word bapto means to immerse, uh, to dip, uh, to, to wash, if you will, to cleanse. It was most often used when we were discussing uh, the dyeing of fabrics. You would take a fabric, wool or cotton, and you would dip it in red dye or indigo or purple. And as it would sit in the dye, that dye would soak through. And what was once white or, or off-white or brown would take on this new color. So when it came out of the dye, it was now identified by the new color which had soaked through it. So bapto, if you will, what we're gonna to experience today, the baptism of Desi is, is the soaking through of what God is going to do in her life, what he has done in her life. So when she comes out of it, she'll be soaking wet for from head to toe. And we're gonna, that's, that's, that's great news because now she's identified with the one from which she has been immersed. And that is something we get to celebrate today. She has a testimony she's gonna share and Pastor Mars gonna ask a few questions. We want to celebrate this moment this morning. Hi, I'm Desi Miller. The reason I want to get baptized is because God has helped me in so many ways in my life, and I feel that this is my next step with him. Well, it has been a privilege to get to know Desi better over the last few years, and she truly is a girl who just reflects that quiet beauty of just such a gentle spirit. She's not always quick to share her thoughts and opinions, but when she has something to say, it is always worth listening to, and I have just really um, enjoyed watching you grow and watching you take this next step in your faith. So, Desi, you shared in your um, testimony that you're ready to be, make this a public thing. Have you accepted Jesus as your Savior? Yes. And are you ready to share that decision publicly with our whole church family? Yes. All right. Well, it's my privilege then to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The living hope that we sing about is available to each one of us. So as we continue to worship him this morning and sing that song again, let's be reminded of all that God has done for us and is still waiting to do for some of us. 
to sing again. If you'd like to stand, you may. If you'd like to remain seated, it's up to you. Let's sing that again. Oh,
that's a truth that we sing this morning. Not because they're familiar words to a song, but because it's a truth that we cling to. Your faithfulness is great. There's not a single moment that we can look back on this week where you have not been exactly where we asked and needed you to be. Lord, you are forever faithful to us. And so, Father, in the spirit of what we are here for today, in the spirit of what we're doing today, Father, we just say thank you for that. Thank you that we can rely on you more than anything else in this entire world. Lord, you're all that we want to rely on. And we don't ever have to doubt, Lord. Thank you so much for your faithfulness to us. Thank you for the beauty of this time that we're already sharing together today. Father, may we just continue to bask in the glow of your glory and of your grace and of your peace. May all of today be everything to us that you want it to be and you need it to be and that we need it to be. In your name, we thank you and praise you. Amen. We've had the opportunity to celebrate new life in Christ, and we're going to take a few moments now to celebrate new life. And we have another opportunity this morning to, to dedicate uh, a precious uh, blessing from God, another arrow in Charlie and Audra's quiver, the first arrow in their quiver. And I'm going to invite them to come and join me now with Wilson. It's been fun to get to know this couple and to share in their journey in just my short time here. And I'm excited what God is doing, what he's given to them. And I was one of the first non-family, I guess, to have the opportunity to hold him. So hopefully he'll cooperate here a little bit because you know, we, we already practiced that. But uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But uh, as we spend some time this morning, uh, we want to recognize and acknowledge this isn't just a ceremony or ritual. Uh, the commitment that we're inviting you to take and the one that you've chosen to take is very significant. Uh, we live in a world that wants nothing more than to lead to death and destruction. And I know that's not the most pleasant beginning to this moment, but it, it's meant to encourage because there is another way that we can choose. We can choose what God has for us. We can choose to, to live life and to model for, for Wilson uh, who, who God is, and to help him come to know who Jesus Christ is. There's much hope, and there's still much light in our world. And infants and babies remind us of that hope, and we're going to take seriously this opportunity we have to choose this morning to invest in his life. So, Charlie and Audra, I know that you've chosen willingly to step into this moment and to accept the responsibility as well as uh, the, the, those actions and things you'll need to do and not do as, repart, as a part of dedicating Wilson to God. We know in Deuteronomy chapter 6, it's one of the most used patches of Scripture. We call it the Shema. And in it, we see that faith is something that is taught, not just uh, passed on. It's something that's lived out in our homes, in our times of play, in our times of work. And it's literally, Scripture says, as we go through life, God commands Moses to teach the Israelites that faith is something that is to always be present. So it's not something we simply give to our children. It's something they have to see in us. A survey of over 250,000 teenagers not so long ago that had a strong faith in God were asked, what were the things that influenced them to choose to have a life-impacting faith that they had? Their number one reason, Audra, was mom. The number two reason that teens had a faith in God, Charlie was dad. So you are more important than a pastor, than Sunday school teachers, than anyone else even in this room. Not that we're not important. We have a role to play. We'll talk about that in just a few moments. But his faith is going to come from you. Now God does, in his grace, work for those in our, in our lives that maybe we haven't had that opportunity to have a godly mother or father. But we know that's not the case today. You're making this choice. We've seen it in you. And we're excited to partner and come beside you as you choose this morning to pass on your faith to your son. As you seek to establish your home as a place where, where faith is nurtured. To partner with you as a faith family. To help resource, instruct, and counsel you. To help you in those times when you might need a little bit of pick-me-up. Or to laugh with you when things are going really well. But we know that Wilson's faith journey doesn't just start here at church. It has to be something he sees Monday through Saturday as well. So this commitment that you're choosing to make today, before your family, your faith family, and before God, I ask you, do you pledge to build a household that echoes Joshua's, Joshua's proclamations that we will serve the Lord? If so, please respond, we do. Now I ask you as his mother and father, will you love and obey the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength? If so, please respond, we will. 
Charlie and Audrey, will you strive to set today an example for Wilson in speech and in life, using God's standard for purity and the decisions you make for him and for yourselves? So please respond, we will. One more question. Will you promise today to train Wilson in the way that he should go? So when he is older, he'll not turn from it and instead turn to Jesus. If so, please respond. With God's help, we will. God's help, we will. All right, church family, this is our part. The Bible uses this metaphor of us being a family of God. That means whether we're related by blood or not, we are all part of this extended family. And Charlie and Audra, in standing here, are affirming their decision to raise Wilson as a member of our family here at Marysville Church of the Nazarene. So we don't want to take that lightly. We don't want to love them just in our words and in our speech, but we want to love them in truth and with action. We want to pray for them. We want to encourage them. We want to serve Wilson by teaching him as he grows. So um, one of the most tangible ways is, is really by serving in our kids' ministries. Every week when we see the faces that show and serve so faithfully, they're echoing this commitment that you're about to make today to join with them as they raise Wilson. So I ask you today as a body, will you encourage, support, and sustain this family as they raise Wilson to know the love of Jesus Christ? If so, reply, we will. We will. I love when even the children join in because he's going to need friends that will help lead him in the right direction, not tempt him to go astray. You think he'll let me hold him? So I'll put him back to sleep here in a few minutes when I start preaching. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, buddy. Well, Wilson, Charlie Gar Garwood, we dedicate you this morning in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. From God, you've been given. Give him back to him. Let's pray over this young man. Father, thank you. <laughs> Seems inadequate, Lord. Seems like we should be doing more or saying something different. It's all we have. As we talk a little bit even this morning, Lord, how good your timing is. In Scripture, we see this idea of first fruits, of giving back our first to you. And Lord, this first son of this beautiful couple, they today are choosing to give back to you. Lord, do with him what you will. We pray, Lord, for the, the plans that you have for him, that you would clear the way, that, Lord, you would send into his life teachers, influences, people that will help strengthen him and guide him, help him to come to know who you are. But also, Lord, we know life comes with some challenging experiences. In those moments, God, I pray that they wouldn't pull him away, but rather make him stronger. That, Lord, in those moments, you would become more uh, close to him in ways that he maybe didn't recognize or realize before. Send friends into his life. Those people that are going to help him, help protect him, God. We pray for his mom and his dad. These godly influences, Lord, that he's going to need. Pray, Father, you would give them grace. Give them rest, especially in these early days. Give them wisdom. God, I pray you give them courage. Lord, it takes a lot of courage and boldness to be a parent today. May they be willing to say no or to say yes whenever the opportunities might arise according to what ways or wills or directions or plans you have for them. And we, Lord, we look forward to seeing him grow, seeing what he becomes, seeing, God, how you will be glorified in and through his life. Thank you, Lord, for this beautiful gift. Today we give him back to you. And we pledge and commit to do everything that we can do to help him come become this man of God you imagine and envision for him to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Bless you. What? That you can give to Wilson is a life that's lived honoring God and showing him and modeling that for him. But we have a couple of gifts for you as well. We hope that you'll remind him often of this day and of your desire for him to live a life of worship in relationship with God. Um, we want to equip you and resource you with just a couple of things. We have a children's storybook Bible. Our prayer is that he early learns to love the words of God and to live those out. And then also a resource, a devotional for you as a family, as you're building a foundation of discipleship in your home. We love you and we'll be praying for you. Join me in congratulating this family and the commitment that we've all made today that this can become all that God wants them to be. We are glad you've chosen to worship with us this morning, and we are looking forward to how God's going to continue to, to speak to us all this today. I took an opportunity yesterday to go and vote, and, and I, love, I love this early voting. You, you do it different here than what I'm used to. It took like all of five minutes. It was fantastic. I had to wait in line, just showed them, they swiped my license, gave me a 
sticker and went through and pushed the buttons. And we encourage you this week to, to uh, take an opportunity for that, that beautiful right that we have and as Christians to, to, to vote as God would lead. We, these are very critical days in the life of our country and our community, and we don't want to take for granted the opportunity that so many have given so much for and so that we can vote and have a say in what goes on around us. But we are glad to have an opportunity to come and to worship. I'm glad to be free that we can come and experience uh, time together, uh, but also uh, freedom in Christ, as we sang about this morning, this invitation to relationship he invites us into. It costs him a lot. And when we choose to follow after him, when we choose to, to join with him in this relationship, uh, there's something that it does require of us. He invites us to step into dialogue, into to knowing who he is, into his work. And we're going to talk a little bit about that over these next several weeks. Uh, typically, over the life of my ministry, I've used November as a time to talk about stewardship and, and how that works together, this idea of gratitude and, and thanksgiving. And, and I think if, if you are, are with us these next few weeks, you'll see how God can connect these dots. Uh, we're talking about, about giving today, and it's a topic that a lot, a lot of pastors like to talk about, or maybe some like to talk about it too much. I don't know. It's one I used to be apprehensive about, but then I began to realize it really is a, a pretty important reflection or an indicator of where we are in our own faith journey. So I don't talk about giving in the sense that we need your money, although Harold will say, yeah, we need a little bit of it, right, Harold? A little bit of it but rather of what it does indicate about what's really going on in here. And this season that we're entering into, isn't it been crazy? And you just enjoy the weather yesterday. Uh, I, I got up this mor- yesterday morning and I, I raked a pile of leaves in front of my house and someone came and took it. <laughs> so if you took my pile of leaves, I don't want them back. But, but if they're in your yard, I apologize for that. But just a crazy day, mid-70s, early November, it's just been just a beautiful season. Uh, but, but people in my neighborhood have taken advantage of, of the changing weather, of this nice weather, to put up Christmas lights. And I get that. Some of you even put up your trees already. I've seen pictures. And I like that too. That's okay. I'm tempted. Not quite there yet, but I'm almost there. But it seems like we go from one season to the next, and we jump over this really important time we have to be thankful, to, to practice gratitude, to be reminded of, of this virtue that we are called to live all the time, not just one month out of the year. And I want to focus these next few weeks on this idea of, of, of the blessed life. What does a blessed life look like? Pastor Robert Morris has written a beautiful book called The Blessed Life, and in it he teaches new ways of thinking about this idea of blessing. When I first encountered his book about five years ago, it really started me thinking about what it does mean to be blessed. We like the idea of being blessed. We like the idea of receiving God's blessings. But I, don't, I wonder how often we stop and really think about scripturally what does it mean to be blessed. And we see all kinds of scriptures. We see it in the Beatitudes. Uh, we, we see it in the Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament. We see excuse me, Jacob uh, seeking after his, his, his father's blessing. We, we see, it's a theme all throughout scripture, but what does it really mean? What does it look like? Our world would tell us that it looks like material things, good jobs, big homes. Our world quantifies or qualifies blessing as maybe good health or, or, or good relationships or lots of kids, or depending on your point of view, no kids, that might, that's up to you. But this idea of blessing, when we leave it to others, becomes something different than I believe what God intended for it to be, what he intended for it to mean. And what we're going to learn in these next couple of weeks is blessing is found in the midst of a relationship with him. So we're going to set the table, so to speak. I think that's appropriate for this month. And begin by asking the question, what does it really mean to be blessed? It's so much more than being happy. It's so much more than just being fortunate or well-off or even healthy. Blessing is found as we walk hand in hand with God. Psalm 84, verse 12, the psalmist writes, O Lord Almighty, blessed is the man or woman who trusts in you. So where do we find blessing? We trust in God as we walk with him. Straightforward, it's to the point. So what we're going to be discussing is maybe less about blessing and more about what it looks like to trust God. Because as we trust him, as we walk in relationship with him, here's what I've discovered, here's what I believe I'm learning, what God's showing me, is that blessing is not something God's kind of waiting for us to earn or deserve. Blessing is one of those things, I just think this kind of just falls off of him as you walk close to him. 
as you walk with him, as you're in relationship with him, his blessings just naturally become a part of our lives. Not because of something we do, because of what he does. As we get to know him better, we become more aware of the blessings that he's already given to us. Those blessings that he's already pouring out. As we begin our conversations about trust, we're going to talk first about this idea, this principle, if you will, of first. Principles of first. Uh, Everything comes into order, Morris writes, when God is first. God has to be first. You ever worked with children at school or on the playground? You tell them to get in line, or even to your own kids, and they all say, I want to be first. Unless it's to brush their teeth or to take a bath or, or to get ready for bed, then they want to be last. But if, if you give them something fun to do, if there's something that they want to do, such as the idea of pursuing blessings, they all want to be first. That's kind of in our nature. We want to be first. But Moore says everything comes into order when God is first. So when God is not first... I think we all understand that life tends to fall out of order. When God is not first, we've got things in the wrong order. And we all have many testimonies that could speak to, to that fact, but we need to live life in which such a way that we put God first. We know that in our minds, don't we? we? We can even come to church and say that, but there's this weird thing that happens when we go home on Monday, all of a sudden life gets in the way, and we take this God that we've made a commitment to put first, and we just kind of reshuffle it a little bit because it's more convenient or we don't have the time or, or our kids aren't cooperating. And all of a sudden, he's not first. Maybe he's third or 13th. Or maybe we just push him back a week. But, you know, God's gracious. He's good. He's not going to go anywhere. He'll still be with us. When we, get, when we get everything straightened out, he'll still be there. What might life look like? We chose. And every day, with every decision, every experience, every opportunity, we would put God first. What inconveniences might disappear? What speed bumps might all of a sudden go away? What hiccups might we not have to worry about? We've all seen out-of-order signs on different things in different places. The signs themselves signify something pretty significant. They signify that something is broken, that's unable to perform or fulfill its purpose, or that it just doesn't work. So when our lives are out of order... They just don't work. They're broken. They don't fulfill the purpose for which they've been created. We've got to get the order right. So today, in these next couple weeks, we're going to talk about some repairs that maybe God wants to do in our lives to help get life back in order. We spent some time this week in Exodus chapter 13, and when I first went into ministry, this is one of those passages I thought I would spend any time at all on, but it's funny how God works. But here in this passage, we, we see God talking to Moses about the principle of first. And he says to him in verses 1 and 2, Moses, consecrate to me every firstborn male. The first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me, whether human or animal. Firstborn of every womb belongs to me. God says to Moses, the firstborn is mine. It belongs to me. It's a Hebrew word, kadash. It means to hallow. We've heard that word before, right, in the Lord's Prayer. Hallow would be your name. It's holy. It's set apart. God says the firstborn is is to be sanctified. We like that word in the Nazarene tradition, don't we? Dedicated, given back, and committed to me. The firstborn is to be, in a a sense, sacrificed or redeemed. Keep reading later on in verses 12 and 13 of Exodus chapter 13. You are to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb. All the firstborn males... Of your livestock belong to the Lord. Redeem with a lamb every firstborn donkey. If you not redeem it, break its neck. Ooh, that took a hard left turn pretty quick, didn't it? Redeem every firstborn among your sons. Now understand what God's saying. With, with, with the lamb, with, with the clean animals, you can sacrifice the first to me. Give them to me. But if it's an unclean animal, you, you can't sacrifice unclean, you can't give them to me. They have to be redeemed. Now, let's not miss the important thing that's being communicated here. Donkeys were unclean animals. And what God says, either, either you, you sacrifice it or redeem it with a lamb or, or you break its neck. You're going to lose it anyway. So just redeem it and do what I've asked you to do. Either give it to God or you're going to lose it. So while the clean animals are sacrificed, unclean animals must be redeemed by the sacrifice of a clean animal. Well, let's make this Old Testament kind of obscure teaching relevant for us. You and I were born 
obviously. But were we born clean or unclean? Unclean. Jesus was sent by God and born of the Virgin Mary. Was Jesus born clean or unclean? Clean. So what God commanded of Moses and his people, he still commands of us today. We, God says, you, you're mine. Even the unclean belong to him. But the unclean are in need of being redeemed. The unclean are still today redeemed by the clean through the blood of Jesus Christ. You and I are the donkeys of the story. Now, we could, go a lot, we could have a lot of fun with that this morning. We're just going to keep it tight today, okay? We're the unclean. If it's not redeemed, what happens to it? It's killed. Its neck is broken. It's subjected to death. What happens to us if we're not redeemed? Spiritually speaking, we are then subject to the punishment of our sin, which we know is death. This Old Testament idea of first, this principles of first, is very applicable to us even today. God gave his firstborn as a redemptive act for you and for me, the unclean. Now, as my wife was, I could stop right there, and that would be pretty good stuff. But I got more for you, so, so hang on. Since you're here, you got all dressed up, we're just going to have some fun with it today. See, Romans chapter 5, verse 8 Paul writes, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, while we were still unclean, Christ died for you and for me. Christ died for a bunch of donkeys. He did. God gave his firstborn so that we could be made clean. So that we could be redeemed and have a relationship with him. Pastor Moore says this is God's tithe. He gave his firstborn. Here's the first God says, the rest, because of him, will be blessed. All blessing comes through Jesus. Let's hold on to that idea over these next couple weeks as we get closer to Thanksgiving. All blessing comes through Jesus. Give God first. Give to God first. Give God your first. Give it in faith. Give it because you trust him. Because you trust him. And trust is the heart of where we find blessing. O Lord Almighty, blesses the man who trusts in you. We show God we trust him by what we surrender and give to him. So it leads us to this next idea. The first fruits that God puts into our lives, gives us, must first be offered back. Exodus chapter 23, verse 19. We're taught and we read, Bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. We're told to bring the best of the first and to give them to God. We're trusting God with the best. If you've ever had a garden and your garden takes off and you've got this perfect, this beautiful tomato or this great harvest early on, and you just you take pictures of it, you put it on social media, say, look at this great tomato I've got or whatever you might, you might be growing. Look, look how awesome of a gardener I am, what green thumbs I have. God says, no, no, that's from me. Give it back to me. I don't know what that looks like in our culture today. Maybe you make some spaghetti sauce or some jam, or, or, or maybe you give it away to someone else. I, I don't know what that looks like, but the idea is to recognize where it comes from. We talked about this idea of first fruits last week, when, and James discusses it in verse 18 of chapter 1. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. We become that blessing, that, that thing that's given back to God for his purposes. Let's put that practically in our conversation today and this idea of giving. The tithe that God commands us to give first goes into the house of the Lord. Not, not a Christian ministry, not a missionary, not designated. And notice this, the tithe is brought. Exodus 23 says, bring the best of your first fruits. Don't just give it, bring it. it, it it's brought to God. Given implies that, that we claim it is ours. It was mine to begin with, so Lord, I'm giving it to you. Brought implies and communicates that we recognize that it's God's to begin with, and we're just bringing it back to him. How often do we treat what the things that we give, whether it be time, whether it be money, whether it be our talents or our resources, and we give them to God as if we're doing him a favor? Lord, let me give to you what I have and what I am, instead of bringing it to God because well, he created it to begin with, and it belongs to him anyway. Are we bringing or are we giving? Are we giving him our first or are we giving him our leftovers? See, God never commands us to give because we cannot give what doesn't belong to us. 
bring it back to him. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, Solomon writes, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing. Give to God first, and watch what God does. Watch what he does. This is a principle that's seen all throughout the Old Testament. Hundreds of years prior to God's command of Moses, we see this idea of tithing. We see it in the life of Abraham. We see it in Matthew chapter 23. Jesus says, you ought to tithe. It's something you should keep doing. It's a good practice. It shows my heavenly Father, the one who sent me to redeem you, the unclean, how much you're willing to follow after, how much you're willing to give, how much you're willing to be all in. Recognize it all comes from him to begin with. Why does it matter? Well, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit, but let me know this. If you can't trust God with your money, I used to be really sensitive about this, Now I just kind of just run through the china shop. If you don't trust God with your money, there comes a point in your life where you really don't trust him at all. Can I say that? Truth. We don't like to hear it, but it really is true. We don't trust God with our money. There's a part of of ourselves we're holding back, and it really is an indication that we don't really trust God at all. We see this in Genesis chapter 4. Verses 3 and 5, in the course of time, we read in Genesis, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor upon Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. Why? Because Cain brought some. Some. And in reading it, can't, can't you see it? We read that Cain brought some. You can kind of see Cain picking through the fruits. Oh, I'm going to keep this one for myself. Oh, that looks like a really good one. I'm going to hold on to that one. And kind of giving God the leftovers, the so-so fruit of his, the crop of his, the fruits of the soil, not giving God the best. But Abel, we read, brought the fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. Abel gave God to God out of his first. Cain just gave out of his extra leftovers. Stuff that really wasn't his good. He brought something when he felt like it. And it's not that God didn't bless it. Understand, church, God couldn't bless it. God can't bless what isn't given first. See, the motivation of Cain's heart was wrong. Cain didn't trust God. Because there was no trust, there could be no blessing. Cain's offering wasn't his first fruits, nor was it redeemed, it was rejected. And we see what we read in Exodus, it was broken. It was not acceptable. The tithes must be first. God cannot be second, ever, in any part of our lives. He may be second to some, but he's not what we make him. See, in Leviticus chapter 27, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain or from, from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. In, in Hebrew, this word holy means it belongs to God. The tithe of everything from the land belongs to him. When we don't give it back to him, we're in essence stealing or taking what is God's. Now, I like math. I know I'm kind of strange like that. I like numbers. I can do numbers in my head. Uh, a lot of these new math techniques they have going around now, I've been doing those things for years. And, and when I was growing up, my, I, just people were amazed that I could do kind of long division in my head you know, because, I, because of how I would break it up and then add it up and then do it fairly quickly. So I'm good with numbers. And my wife, well, she's good with numbers, like, like 30% off at Kohl's. That, that's kind of her kind of math. <laughs> and she's not here today. And, but, but, that, but I like that about her. I'm glad she's good at that kind of math. Don't get me wrong. When we were first married, we, we were, she was still in college. I just graduated, and, and then I got a job making $11 an hour. I'm like, yeah, I'm making 11 bucks an hour. I mean, you're like, well, I could get, I'm making that. Now, I know things have changed a lot since, well, I won't tell you how many years ago, much longer than I like to admit. And I sat down, and I did my budget, our budget. And she looked over my shoulder, and she's looking at the numbers, and I said, okay, I, I think we're going to make it. I think we can make this. We could get through school. We, we, we can pay all of our insurance bills. We could pay our rent. We've got enough money for food. I think we're going to be okay. And she says, well, where's the tithe? And I remember looking at her, and I just said, honey, we can't afford to tithe. There's just no room in the budget for us to tithe. And my wife says, no, you understand. We're, we're tithing. But honey, we can't afford it. No, we're, we're tithing. It's, it's not an option. It's what we're doing. 
And I remember thinking, finally, I gave in, I surrendered, said, okay, we'll tithe. And in my mind, I thought, we'll tithe, and, and then a month later, I'm going to show her, see, I told you that we couldn't afford it. I, in the back of my mind, I was going to show her, because I understood numbers better than she did. I got it. But she understood trust better than I did. She got it. Wasn't too long after that, then her car broke down. And I had just written a tithe check. It was about the same amount of money that was, we, we could have used to fix the car. And I remember thinking, see, told you, we, we, we couldn't afford a tithe. And, and we went and took the car to the garage because we had to get it fixed because I was working about an hour away and she was still going to school. So we had to have two cars and got home the day that the car was fixed and there was an envelope in the mail. And one of her aunts and uncles who couldn't make it to our wedding sent us a gift for the amount of money that it cost to fix the car. And I kid you not, God says, told you, got this. Instead of me going, told you so, <laughs> she looked at me, told you so. <laughs> no, she didn't. It's not a great way to start a marriage, let me just say that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but in that moment, God said, if you honor me with your giving, I'll take care of you. That check that her aunt and uncle mailed us was in the mail before the car broke down. God knew. He knew it was coming. And because God knew it was coming, he, it, was, it was an opportunity for us to see him at work in our lives that I had never experienced. And since that moment, we have been tithers. I don't question it. There, there's sometimes I just think, oh boy, here we go, Lord. How are you going to show up this time? Every time he does. I can't explain it. There's times where it doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. But it always, always, he always shows up. Is your tithe the first thing that comes out of your paycheck? It's not a thing, not a payment, not something you do. Is it the first thing? If it's not, then how can God bless the rest of it? See, I would rather have God, I've learned this in my life, I'd rather have God oversee the 90% than to see what I can do with the 100%. He's much better at it than I am. We can have the same conversation in regards to our time our resources, our, our talents, our abilities? Are we giving God the first fruits of our lives? Are we giving him what's left? Now some, <laughs> here's a word I type. I, just, I don't like this word, but I'm going to say it because God put it there for a reason. Some of us are greedy enough to make the argument, well, I don't have the money, but I'll give in other areas. I'll give my time. But does God get the first of our time or does he get what we have left over to give? Does he get the first of our talents does he get the best of us, or does he get the tired part of us? Does he get the weary part of us? Does he get the reluctant part of us? I had a coworker years ago when I worked in Columbus. Uh, had a, I was part of a team, and we were in Montreal working on a project, and I got to talk with one of my coworkers of, about tithing and what God was doing in my life, and this was kind of off work, and, and she wasn't someone who grew up in church. She looked at me and says, wait a minute, let me get this right. You give 10% of everything you make to the church? Yes. What do you get out of that? Well, boy, what a loaded question that is, right? I could have a lot of fun with that. So, well, from what your perspective would be, I get nothing out of that. But there's so much more I get that maybe the world doesn't see. And I had another coworker on, our, on the team. He was a Christian. And one day we were talking about this conversation I'd had before. And we were talking about giving and tithing. He said, oh, yeah, you know, my wife and I, we give, and, and we just bought a new laptop or bought a new computer for our home, and we use it for ministry. And I'm like, wait, wait a minute. You give, but you bought yourself a computer. Yeah, but we use it for Sunday school, and we use it for, for church work. And I'm thinking, hold on a minute. That's, that's not a tithe. Said, what do you mean? We're, we're to give our tithe to God and let God decide what to do with it. Now, if your church decides to buy you a computer so you can do Sunday school, that's fine. When you make the decision, forgive me, but I'm just not so sure I trust myself to make that decision. He walked away thinking, I need to think about that. It wasn't a few months later that he came back and said, you know what, we prayed about it. We had to make some things right. We give God our first and we let him figure out the rest. If he, he's not the God of our money, and more than likely, he doesn't get the first of our time or the best of our talents or the first of our resources, and eventually he's out of order. We push him to the back of the line. Exodus 13, 14, and 15, in the days to come, when your son asks you, what does this mean? Say to him, with a mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. 
when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed the firstborn of both people and animals in Egypt. This is why I sacrifice to the Lord the firstborn offspring of every womb and redeem each of my firstborn sons. God brings us out of slavery, out of bondage, into freedom and redemption. A lot in this little passage. I think what it tells us is that we so easily can become slaves by our 10%. It's so little. So insignificant, really, in the greater scheme of life, but it has such a tight hold of us. Regardless of whether you're 66, 36, or 16, tithe is a principle you should be practicing. Whether your paycheck be 4400 or $40, you should be giving God 10%. If you can't give God 10% of $10, what makes you think you're going to give him 10% of 1000 If you can't give him $1 now, which is your tithe, what in the world makes you believe that you'll give him more when you have more? always going to be something that gets in the way that vies for our attention that grabs hold of our hearts that leads us to bondage and captivity and we get trapped and we get stuck and I know what some of you are thinking but you don't understand pastor yes I do I've been there time and time again I've been there and God has shown up through eyeglasses and through braces for five kids God has shown up through cars that are broken down through sending our kids to college God has shown up not always maybe the way that I would imagine it, but God does it in ways that make sense to him. He always provides. I could tell you story after story of his giving, of his responding, of his meeting our needs. And I believe some of you have those similar stories. If you have them this week, I want to hear them. I like to share them with our faith family so that your experiences where God has met your needs, has multiplied your 10%, has made the 90% go so much further than you could have thought or imagined, so that others can see that God does work in the lives of his people. God delivered his people from Egypt, and in so doing, he redeemed the unclean. God sent Jesus and gave his tithe for us, the unclean. And while we're still sinners, Jesus died for us so we could be made clean. We then are consecrated, set apart. Several years ago, this is well after our issue with the car, I was working on our budget at home and trying to come up with a way that we could pay down or pay off our debts. And you know, College had started with, with our oldest daughter and you know, braces were a reality and car repairs and I was listing our in expenses and our income and my daughter Bethany, who was a math major in college, she, she got the numbers part, hopefully from my, her, my wife rather than me. But she noticed as she was looking and watching, I wasn't hiding anything from her, she was kind of looking at it because Part of it was her college expenses as well. And she was looking at what we made, made versus what we were given, and she looked and said, well, Dad, that's more than 10%. And I mean, you're like, yep. Bethany, I've learned, I've, I've, I've learned to be obedient and to trust God with, to give him whatever he asked me to give him. I don't tell you that to pat myself on the back. That, that's what you give between you and the Lord. But for Amy and I, it, it was a little bit more than a tithe. It's not astronomical, don't get me wrong. But my daughter says, well, that's, that's not 10%. She was very much like I was, kind of to the number. And, she, and technically, she was right. But here's what I've learned. You don't want to get technical with God. There were times as we were paying extra that something else would creep in, new expense, something un unthought of, something we weren't prepared for. Then my mind, I'm like, well, Lord, I've, I'm kind of paid ahead a little bit. <laughs> he says, yeah, technically you are, Brian. You want to get technical with me? Blessed is the man who trusts in God. And I'm thankful that I'm not a slave or I'm not in captivity, held down, held in bondage by my money. His. He can do what he wants to do with it. I trust him with it. And I give not out of obligation, but rather it's an opportunity. See, see God doesn't send invoices or bills. There's no collection agency. Rather, it's, it's my chance to say, God, I fully trust you. This is yours. Do with it what I can't. And there was a time when I wasn't maybe walking this faith life like I should have been. I wasn't fully committed God redeemed me through his son. He gave so much. I can bring him the little that I have. Give it back to him. 
Maybe you're still thinking, Pastor, I can't afford to. Well, here's the truth. We can never afford it until we do it. Chew on that. It'll make sense later. You'll never be able to afford it until you do it. When you do it, God's going to show you you could always afford it. He figures out ways. He does things that we can't even think or imagine. And in so doing, as we trust him and walk with him, we open up ourselves to recognize what real blessing looks like. He can't be God of some. He can't be second. A blessed life, measured in what we have. Sorry, blessed life isn't measured in what we have or even what we give. Blessed life is measured in why we give and to whom we give it to. So is life out of order? Is God first? Simple questions. The truth is, he's already revealed that to you this morning. What you do with that, well, it's not founded in altar. It's not even founded. It's, it's, it's realized and discovered by what we do as we leave this. Is God first? Have you given him your first? You trust him. Trust is the key. Everything else we talk about this month is going to be predicated on this idea of trust. And I look forward to seeing what God's going to show us next. Stand with me, please. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, I get it. I've been there. I've been in the pew. I've heard the messages. I, I understand. I've been through difficult seasons where the numbers didn't add up. I've been in situations, Lord, where I didn't know how you were going to make ends meet, how, how we were going to make a, a, a deadline or, or pay a bill or pay the mortgage. I, I, I knew there had been times where I didn't know, we didn't have enough money for food, and Lord, you every single time answered. Even in moments of my life where I wasn't being faithful or I wasn't trusting God, you still showed up. I didn't always recognize that as your hand or your favor. You were there. Lord, how much more have you allowed me to see? Have you allowed each one of us to see your goodness in our lives, your faithfulness in our lives when we have given back to you. So Lord, would you stretch us today? I don't preach this message because we need more money in the bank account at church. It's not what this is about. This is about the hearts of your people putting you where you belong first in our lives, getting our lives back in the right order. I'm thankful, God, that I don't have to preach this message out of desperation because we can't make ends meet. That's not this. Lord, just speak to us. Stretch us. This is the, the one area of money is where you tell us to test you, to, to give you an opportunity to show you, Lord, and, and you have shown me. You've shown my wife. You've shown our family. I'm sure, Lord, in this place today, there's so many stories where you've shown up. But for those, Lord, that are on the fence, those that have had the same arguments with you that I've had, the same conversations where the numbers just don't add up, and they've made the same decisions, the same justifications of why they can't, well, give them an opportunity this week. Show them, Lord, why they can't. Blessed is the one who trusts in you. God, as we seek your blessing and favor today, we don't do it without this understanding, Lord, that we need to do something in return. God, help us. What is it, Lord, in our lives that are keeping us bound, that are keeping us trapped? What is it, God, we might need to let go of? What is it, Father, we need to give you more of? Who, Lord, today needs to be redeemed? What is it, Lord, we might need to surrender? God, I pray today. I ask, God, you will work, not, not so that, Lord, we would have these perfect, happy, worldly, blessed lives, that, God, we would be drawn closer to you, we would hear your voice, we would recognize your presence, Lord, we would continue to grow closer to you. Have your way with us, Lord. Add to our story. We are people that seek your blessing. And we know as we leave this place where it comes as we trust in you. Thank you, Father. Be glorified, I pray, through your people this week.
gifts of testimony God to share. In Jesus' name, amen. And God bless you. Go your sins. Be a blessing to someone else. Watch what God does in return.